I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your three hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We have on the phone tonight two other hunks, one of which by the name of Nick Fiesler. Good evening, long time no see. Long time no see, buddy. Welcome back. You missed the last one though, right? Yeah. The streak's over. I had to miss the last one to make the lure swap. That was the the trade-off. Yeah, well, that's fair. I'd rather right. you do that. Right. Well, it's good good to see you tonight. I feel Thank it's you. like you I too. feel like one of those welcome back Cotter moments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we also have on the phone tonight, <laughs> Mister Owen Seaman and Big O's Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Glad to be here tonight. Looking forward to to our having a, a guest here tonight to talk about some baits and and musky max. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. I I will say I, I mentioned this to you before we started. I put the big O's hoodie on on Friday night, and I have not taken it off since, except for to go to work today. I've the 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 hoodies have been a big hit so far. Uh, you know, if for those anyone that came to the lore swap, a bunch of people, <coughs> sorry, uh, ordered them ahead of time and uh, delivered them and. People love them. So if you if you want one, make sure you get to Musky Max early because I only have, I don't know, a limited amount left. Uh, so better hurry up and get them. Get them while they're hot. So, all right, cool. Well, we have a guest tonight. And that guest hails from the great state of Ohio, which I think it's been a while since we've had somebody on from Ohio, maybe. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Our last Ohio. I don't know. It's been, it's probably been a while. So, so Josh, you might actually be the first one from Ohio. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have, we have on, maybe we, we might, we have on the phone tonight, Mr. Josh Marshall from Marshall Custom Tackle. What's up, buddy? Not much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for joining us here. Yeah, Yeah, dude. We've been, we've been trying to schedule this one for like a year. I remember, mm-hmm. remember at Max last year. I think I remember talking to you. It might have been on Sunday. We talked about getting you on. Yeah, yeah. And at that point, we were—I don't know how many listeners we had. We probably doubled our listener base, so we went from like four to eight. So right, we're at about eight, solid eight right now. It's solid eight. So, oh no, am I still here? So sorry, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Ryan's power went out and he's the one recording the Zoom. So now we're back up. So we want to kind of go to what we were talking about. And that was I had asked Josh to kind of give us where he was from exactly in Ohio. Uh, And I believe you had said about a half an hour south of Canton, right? Yeah, correct. So oh, here's Ryan. Ryan's joining us now. Um, so half hour south of Canton, 
how far does that put you from Pittsburgh? Because if I've only been to Canton, I think twice uh, to to the Hall <clears> of Fame, <throat> the NFL Hall of Fame, and I don't recall exactly how how far it was. It's not far from Pittsburgh. About an hour and a half. Yeah, I was half. gonna say it's not like yeah. a ridiculous distance. Okay, cool. So do you uh, you mainly fish the your waters there? Yeah, for the most part. How'd you get started? fishing in general and and then how did you get started musky fishing uh fishing in general my dad always took me to like farm ponds and creeks growing up and then i had a grandma that was a big fisher woman and hunter and awesome. she, she would take us like bluegill fishing we went camping with her my other grandpa would take us carp fishing and uh kind of like once i got my driver's license uh me and my brothers were at the river fishing like nonstop and just carp and catfish. We were, then we realized there was smallmouth. got hooked on that for a long time and then got a little boat, started saw guy fishing. Uh, we heard there was good saw guy at Leesville and we hooked into muskie and then we were hooked. <laughs> <laughs> was it an accident, a total accidental uh, hooking the first one? Yeah. I got bit off a few times, like running crawler harnesses. Okay. Uh, and then we were there in December fishing vibes, and I caught my first one on a vibe. Huh. Uh, what is a vibe? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like what a sonar jig is? Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to that. Okay. Okay. I, f- I feel like I missed a bunch of stuff because I just lost power at the house. No, we we were. I was trying to like fix the audio to to do the separate tracks, and I don't know if I did it right. I don't, in fact, I don't think I did. I just went back and hit record. So it's all good. We'll figure it out. It's going to be an adventure. Somebody hit a a pole. I can hear the fire. I can hear the fire whistle going off. Oh, geez. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of missed some of that, but I I caught the tail end of it. So Josh, it sounds like you got started musky or you got hooked on muskies. Like many, many people do like you inadvertently caught one. And that was just, that was the end of it. Yep. All downhill from there. All downhill. (laughs) So did you start out making crankbaits or did you, you know, start with jigs or something like that? Uh, So when I was into like river fishing, smallmouth a lot, I made buzz baits. Okay. I got into fly tying a little bit. And then I think like our, like the second year into muskie fishing would have been like 2009. There wasn't a lot of bait makers around like there is now. So me and my brother started tinkering around and we had some, some crankbaits, some like jerk baits and twitch baits that we kind of started with. So is it you and your brother both doing it or like would one take the initiative? He was, uh, he was kind of doing the woodworking at the time, which most of the first couple baits were like on the lathe. Uh, then I was trying to figure out how to paint and clear coat. And I think that back, I mean, when we started, it was just like a spray paint can or a single action airbrush for a while. So do you still do a lot of lathe or is it almost all like uh, cut out everything, routers? Everything's cut out of bandsaw now and router. The, yeah. Our first crankbait we called the blimp shad. It was like out of a two inch poplar dowel and it literally looked like a blimp with a round lip and thumped like crazy. That's awesome. And, just it was kind of a pain to make so we went with a shad shape from there yeah <clears throat> i i just like it terrifies me thinking about router and some of those tiny baits 
Yeah, I used to, first couple of years I made the three inch baby. I was running them on a router. I had a couple, uh, couple like close calls, so now I just round them off on a belt sander. Okay. I was going to ask you about that too, because when I talked to you the one year at Max, it wasn't last year. I think it might have been a year before. I got that. Uh, you got that like zombie shad pattern in the baby, and I remember talking to you about it. And you were routering them, and I was like, man. Dude, I swear to you guys, like, I look at those tiny baits and I just, like, cringe when you say that. I'm like, oh, yeah, my fingers. Forget <laughs> yeah, what it, I forget what I was watching recently, and it was a bait maker using a router, but he had designed this jig where the bait fit exactly into this little jig. And so he, and it kept it so he could, like, route, he could, you know, work the bait along the router but you know, but you keeping his hand at least like you know an inch away from from the the router bit. It was interesting. I I can't. I got, if I wish I could remember what the hell that was. I was watching. Hmm, interesting. That's, what, that's cool. I've seen ones where guys use like a sheet of plywood, pretty much, or you, and then like have two dowels, and then your router, you know, like your bait clamps in the middle, and then you just route the edge. You know, it's contoured, so it makes your profile or whatever but yeah because that's what i monkeyed around i was trying to copy uh little shad baits at one time i gave up i just just buy baits <laughs> at this point <laughs> but but i was like spent more time trying to make a jig than i did trying to make baits <laughs> it went poorly yeah it takes us it takes a certain a certain type of person to be able to to get into the fine minutiae of stuff like like building these baits and that's oh yeah you know it, it, they all impress me and in, in how you know they're all made differently you know to think that all these baits are made the same is just crazy you know is, uh, every one of these bait builders that we've had on has a different technique and a different you know style of doing something and it, it just fascinates me how everyone gets it done and and you know they all that you know you get all these different styles and and manners of of building baits like todd you know he does a lot of his stuff on a lathe which that's time consuming stuff man i mean all this is time consuming stuff i think it's interesting too because anybody can kind of pick up a hunk of wood and just like run it through a bandsaw and come up with like a generalized like fishing lure shape but the thing of it is is like not everybody understands how to do all of that stuff you guys talked about there you know, like, like Josh, what makes you way different than me is like, I, I could build a bait that could technically swim, but I couldn't get it past that point. Like I couldn't replicate it. I couldn't, I can't paint worth a lick. I can't epoxy. I can't, I don't know where to put the, you know, the lips and stuff like that. Like your dive curves and, and things like that. There's just so much that goes into this. And I know, like, would you say like testing is a huge part of what you're doing too? Like, once you kind of hammer the details out, you're able to replicate it, I'm sure. But like, talk a little bit about that part of it. Uh, yeah, like if I have a bait idea, I usually come up with a couple prototypes. Maybe it's weighted different, uh, a little different lip or different lip angle. And then when I get something, uh, I usually have like a stencil traced out and I try to, I guess, pick which stencil I used and replicate that. But still like, Every bait I make, I take out and test because just when you think you have it down, you have a little bit different wood density or something. They'll throw something off, and <clears throat> I like to know they're running good before I send them out. 
So do you and, use the same wood for all of your baits? Like, the, Or do you have a different density? Do you have a different preference for density or for different baits? I use the same cedar for 90% of the baits. Uh, I made a glide bait with a tail, which took me a while to get to get that bait down. And it's a little bit wider cedar. And then every once in a while, I'll make a glide bait out of maple. Uh, usually, like, if I have a little piece of curly maple usually do like a natural wood finish with that because it just looks pretty cool yeah that's that was one of the things i was going to ask too like a long like not getting into the nitty-gritty details of what you know what you're doing there but you know like one thing i don't know that i've asked anybody is like how like how stressful is that of a process like when you're when you're talking about wood density and things like that like I mean, from a bait maker's perspective, does that throw you off at all? Like when you're dealing with that and testing? Uh, kind of takes you by surprise because you'll have a batch. Uh, say I do 20 of my baby marsh ads and 18, they're all, I mean, to the eye, they're all the same, but uh, two out of 20 might run kind of squirrely and they go off to the side or they go in my box and you, you don't know why. So it's kind of a, kind of a surprise. Yeah. That just seems like, the consistency aspect of building is like super challenging no matter what you're doing. Yeah. And then I'm sure, you know, the way you seal it and the epoxy batch, you know, each epoxy batch can be slightly different, you know, in terms of weight and things like that. So I, I don't know. And you know, luckily I don't, I don't have to deal with that type of stuff with building bucktails and spinner baits, but it fascinates me, you know, dealing with that. Now, is this a, do you get the whole family? Maybe not the whole family if you got young kids down there on the router, but do you get the whole family involved in this process? Like at all, is your wife involved in putting anything together? Yeah. So uh, my wife, she designed my logo nice. and she does my business cards. Uh, she makes shirts. She has a, a cricket and a press. She does our shirts. Nice. And then uh, sometimes I'll do some baits. I think I have some for the Max that are like, just full glitter, bunch of glitter, and she'll do those too. Okay. Uh, and then my daughter is nine, and she she likes to use nail polish and put it in water and like make some crazy like swirl baits that are pretty cool looking. Oh wow! So I might have a couple of them at the max. And then my son is seven, and uh, sometimes he draws colors on like a piece of paper and tells me to paint them. And one was this color called Psycho Sunfish last year. It's like uh, blue orange and i think neon green bars with like a chartreuse belly and a gray head it's actually been a really good color in muddy water and uh, i'll give him a drill with uh my screw eye bit and he'll put screw eyes in baits for me too i saw that psycho sunfish color when i was looking at your facebook page before this and that is a cool looking color it, it would definitely show up in in stained water yeah it does do you do you guys feel like like maybe we should have kids involved in color patterns more often? Probably, absolutely. I, mean, I feel yeah, like I mean, everyone else gets stuck in a groove and you never get anything new. Yeah, I mean, kids they think outside the box. Where you know we as as fishermen were so you know you get clown, you get yellow belly, you know orange belly perch, and you know you get all these same things. Ryan's nine dollar bass or nine dollar perch, and you know, just get something crazy out of a little kid's kid's mind. It's right. awesome. Speaking of crazy, I'm putting hooks together, and can you guys see that? Like, yeah, that treble. 
that is uh, like it's like deformed. What'd you do to that poor thing? I didn't do anything. Right it came. Bones. It was born like that. <clears throat> I've gotten two where that the like brazed on hook is like a half inch down below the other two. Like a short, just, yeah, a short just, arm. Yep. Put that bit. Put that thing on a bait. It's gonna catch. Yep. <laughs> so okay, so we got a, We got a little overview. So I, I kind of I don't know if I missed the part where Josh, you kind of got into, I guess, musky fishing. I caught the tail end of it, but. So do we actually ask you what, what prompted you aside from just getting hooked on these fish? Like, was that the main reason you started building baits? Uh, like my brother helped me in the beginning and we growing up, we kind of always tinkered around in my dad's workshop a little bit. And then like, uh, I said like 2008, when we started 2009, there wasn't near the bait makers there is now, uh, wasn't, they weren't available. Musky baits weren't like. You could order from the musky shop. A few marinas might have some, but you didn't have the options you have now. So we, I don't know. I don't even remember exactly how we got the idea, but we just started doing it and enjoyed it. Okay. So it was out of necessity basically. Cause that's, that's one of the other reoccurring themes. <clears throat> like, you know, you've been doing this a long time, you know, some guys just, just started doing it. Right. You know, like three weeks ago. <laughs> so I don't know. It's kind of, I always like to make sure I understand that because I think that's all part of your history too. Well, what was the very first bait that you started with? Was that that balloon shed or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that was the very first one. Yeah. There was only, I mean, we didn't sell those. Me and my brother made like four of them and we ran them for like one summer. I don't think we ever had a hit on them. (laughs) (laughs) I still got them in a, still got them in a cardboard box down here in my shop. (laughs) That's great. That, that's about where I'm at with bait making. No hits. <laughs> Just what was what hits. was the first bait that was successful? Because that's a talk about a memory. Mm. First home uh, bait, so, bait that 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 you catch a muskie on. So we had a twit, uh, like an eight inch twitch bait that we moved a lot of fish on, never caught any. Then the next year, we came up with the shad shape with a shallow square lip, and it had like a. I didn't have a router at the time, so it was like a hand plane bait, and the belly was real narrow, so it was hard to add any weight to it. Uh, and I think we were short line trolling that, and we caught a thirty eight on it. That was our first short line trolling fish, and the first official fish on one of our crankbaits. So explain the feeling in the boat that day. You know, uh, well, I think, like I said, our first short line trolling fish alone first fish on one of our crankbaits we were kind of i think we kind of looked at each other when the rod went off like are we snagged is this really happening and uh after we caught that fish we're like okay we gotta we gotta try to make some more of these and with that tapered belly it was such a time-consuming process to make that's kind of what turned into the the first marshad we made which was the five and a quarter inch that seems when you had you caught many fish on other baits before that? Uh, we before that we did a lot of casting, caught a lot of fish on bulldogs, uh, bucktails. We were, we caught a few trolling fish, but we were still pretty new to trolling, really. Okay. Okay, so are you is that? Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead either, but is that what you're primarily doing now? Are you trolling more than you're casting? Uh, when I go in the boat now, my son is with me a lot. I, he's obsessed kind of like me 
Uh, and <laughs> being his age, uh, we're doing a lot more trolling, but he won a kid's musky bait caster at our Muskie's Inc. banquet last year. And he can pretty much cast a kid's musky bait time. caster. What, what is that? So it was like one of those, uh, with a piss of fun reels. Oh yeah. Like a smaller size. One of them. I can't remember what model it was and like a seven foot kind of lighter weight rod. They had it all. They had a raffle for it as a kid's musky combo. And he can throw like, he can throw a bulldog on it, but anything heavier uh, than that kind of struggles. That's a, but that's a really good idea yeah. because yeah. those piss of fun reels. I mean, even the, the, like the, the big musky version is only like $99. Yeah, you can probably get get those a smaller one for cheaper. That's that's a pretty cool idea. I never really thought about that. Mm-hmm. It's been a good a good setup for him. He he had a, a fish miss a bulldog at the boat this past fall. Was, uh, was he worked up seeing one that close? <laughs> yeah, he's like it, the water was muddy. He's using a gold color one, so you couldn't see the fish coming. He just like brought it up by the boat, and there was this big swirl and a mouth open and he said dad my legs feel like jello <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, awesome. that's great happens. that's great Dude, that is so good <laughs> and then he got one he got a small one jigging late in the fall so he wants to do more casting this year he'll get one that's awesome it's awesome man <laughs> it's so cool to see you know you, you getting your son out there hear it and you know that's like one of the things like we love hearing that stuff when when parents have their kids out on the boat you know, grinding it out for a muskie. That's so <laughs> cool. So I, I I can't remember where I was going with this now. But so your family's involved in the business. You know, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been fishing for muskies for a long time now. You got the sun out there casting and trolling. You know, you, the first bait. So basically the Marshad... I would consider that a pretty standard like shad type style bait, right? And is that pretty common for Ohio too? Because I know there's a lot of good like shad bait makers in Ohio in general. Yeah, that smaller shad profile seems to be po- more popular in Ohio. And it is, I mean, it's pretty popular around here too, but. Yeah. Yeah, that that shad profile and the smaller baits seems to do well in Ohio. Now, there are times where they'll hit bigger baits, but say majority of the time that small shad shaped stuff so it works pretty good so is that what kind of like i mean looking at your bait lineup and i wanted you to go through you know your entire lineup there but is that what kind of more or less prompted like what you're building is just the location where you live and the water you fish yeah so can i tell a story about the five inch marshad how it kind of started absolutely absolutely so uh the first actual one we ran on a router <clears throat> i had in the water for like 15 minutes i think it was october that year and i caught a 38 on it i gave one to a buddy and he had it out for an hour and he caught a 42 gave one to another buddy and i think he was out two hours caught i don't know 30 some incher and we we're like okay we got to make more of these and at the time me and my brother were we were just attendees at the ohio muskie show and they had a swap afterwards. Uh, it was in like an up, small upstairs room at this hotel, not where it is now. And we laid out like, I don't know, 10 of them on a table. I forget. They, we had $14, $15 on them or something. And uh, Tony Grant came over and he said, hey, I'd like 
I'd like some of them. I have a box of baits over there. You guys want to do a bait trade? I thought, oh, Tony Grant wants these. That's pretty cool, you know? We never thought that would happen. And we did a bait trade, and he contacted us later that spring that he was killing them on Cave Run with them. And that kind of got things rolling a little more. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So he just kind of out of the blue, he he saw some potential in it and went with it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were excited there i've heard tales of that bait swap it's on my on my list of things to do but i haven't made it there yet it sounds like a good time we gotta do that next year it's on my list to stay overnight there to hit that swap so that's cool so then you know basically like i mean that's a really awesome story because like you i mean you go into this like no expectations right and then there he is, the great Tony Grant. And then the fact that he actually followed up with you too, I mean, that's got to mean a lot, you know, in general. So what, where did you go from there? Like you guys started, maybe, is this a good time maybe to get into your bait lineup? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. So you kind of started with the five inch? Yeah, started with the five inch. And then at the time I also, right around then too, I also made my Twitch and Troll lineup. I think the first one was the seven inch Twitch and Troll. And then I think I had the, the, let me think, the Marshad glider at the time too, which is the same five inch shape as a crankbait, just a glider. Okay. And those were the first three for probably close to a year. <clears throat> and and what, oh, no, no. I, I want the, the twitch and the, did you say a seven inch twitch and troll? Yes. What tell me a little bit about that? I don't know that I I saw that or no. Actually, I think I did. Is that it's got? Does it have a square lip? Uh, so the early ones have square lips. Uh, they have round lips now. Okay, they're just like a seven inch minnow bait. Okay, so you can cast and troll them. I mean, do you ever yeah. do you ever twitch and troll? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so. Okay, so the, what what other baits do you have in your lineup right now? Uh, so <clears throat> the Marshad lineup now is the three inch baby, the three and three quarter mini, the five and a quarter, which is like the original, I guess I'll call it. Then I have a seven inch and a nine inch, and they both have like a big round lip. And then I'll make the mini and the five inch with a shallow round lip and a jointed model. I've done a few more of them for shows this year. I haven't made them in a while. Uh, the Twitch and Troll lineup now is... I've made a bunch of sizes of that. I used to make a four. <clears throat> now I make a five with a round lip. A five with a square lip and a tail. A seven round lip. A seven square lip with a tail. And then just a nine inch square lip. Holy cow. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of different op- options. Uh, and as a, I'm just thinking as a bait builder, that's a lot of different variations to have to, you know, manage. deal with. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, holy cow! <laughs> and, okay, so so how do you normally sell your baits? You know, is it only shows, or are you selling them on Facebook Marketplace, or what's going on? Yeah, uh, shows. And I'll take orders. Usually they're through Facebook. I'll take orders from like uh, September to April. And then once the kids sports start, 
if I build in the summer or whatever, I just kind of make whatever I feel like or cut blanks for future shows or whatever. Yeah, that's normally, you know, things kind of slow down uh, around whenever the kids start, start uh, getting active and whenever you can get out and start fishing. Right. True. You know, you don't want to spend all your time sitting in your, in your shop. If you, you can be out there fishing. I mean, how, how often do you get out to fish? Uh, depends on the sports season, but if things are, if there's nothing on a weekend that we have, usually I'll get out once most weekends. I usually get out. It might only be for three or four hours sometimes. But I usually get out and then, uh, I'm currently working afternoons. So sometimes once I get the kids on the bus, sometimes I'll go for four or five hours before I go to work. Okay. That's cool. So obviously you're not a full-time bait builder. You, you right. work a, you know, you work a, a regular job. Right. All right. So, you know, how, how much time does that leave for really any of this stuff? I mean, you're like, I mean, you're like me, you, you have young kids. <laughs> My kids are 13, 11 and nine, and it's tough to keep up with them. Like it's really, you only have a small slice of your day where you can, really go into your shop and do anything you know how do you how do you get it all done uh afternoons kind of helps with that right now too because I, I have a lot of time during the day to get that done but uh if i'm work, like if i'm working days like i was i uh i'd just come down after work and maybe clear coat my baits and then once the kids were kind of settled down later in the evening i might come down and paint for half an hour but Sometimes it might only be 45 minutes. I do a couple of things and then kind of work on it in pieces, I guess. That's yeah, yeah that's exactly how I am. It's so wild to me, dude. Every time we hear that, like it's, I just can't, like you get like these small little chunks of time to, to bust these out. And it's like, honestly, like if you, as somebody that goes to like a show, right? Like you just roll up to Muskie Max, you walk over to Josh Marshall's booth and you see all these pretty lures hanging there. Like, I don't think the average person really like thinks about that. You know, it's like how much time and effort over the course of a year, you're just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Absolutely. And I, I thought that once when Todd Leopardi, I, it was a couple years ago, he made a post on Instagram where I think he detailed in like a time lapse fashion, how many times he touches a bait, you know, like, and it was like some 52 processes to make a, a mojo, you know, and, you know, and you don't think about all the, the little stuff, you know, just the, the, there's so many little things that go into this, these things. I'm just so fascinated by, by everyone's bait, bait, you know, building process. And I think Ryan, you should do more with, uh, with your YouTube, with your YouTube channel in, you know, showing people's shops and their, you know, the kind of the background, because I think that's stuff that people would be really interested in. Yeah, it's on my list. Josh, you want to you want to do a video? <laughs> I'll come on out to the shop. Oh, yeah. Show season, it's kind of organized chaos, but yeah, you got to you got to stay for a week to see each process, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we'll get we'll get like a half half hour in one night, forty five yeah. minutes the next night. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could do more of that stuff, honestly. But like you guys are talking, and like this is my shop time, like right now right. on this podcast. So, <laughs> all right. True. So, 
so you're building feverishly for musky max and i know i stopped by and saw you there in ohio and you had a full spread there and uh what other shows do you do is it just primarily ohio and max right now yeah there's only two i do i set up a couple baits at the ohio husky musky club banquet just put some baits on the table and i usually do the same thing at uh musky think chapter 19 banquet okay that's cool that's a that's a pretty awesome way to get some baits out there too yeah now do you get do you get quite a bit like a varying interest between the ohio and pa shows typically at ohio like the small shad stuff uh usually is the majority of what i sell but things were a little bit different this year i've seen the so i have some casting baits in my lineup also i seem to sell more casting baits this year and some bigger crank baits this year compared to what i've done there in the past still sold some small shad stuff but seemed like it shifted a little bit yeah that's interesting that is interesting now would you say like is it is it a fair assessment for me to say that your bigger baits are a little deeper than some of the smaller ones? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so when you're building, like when you got into that seven, I think you said nine inch, right, Marshad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it was that out of necessity to get a little deeper? Because I know like a lot of between Ohio and PA, I mean, we it's pretty well known. Like this isn't a secret. Like a lot of us like the short line, and throughout the entire year. You know, and like a lot of those shallower running crankbaits, like even your baby, like I, I love that thing behind the boat, like short lining it. But there's times where I want to go deep. So what I guess like out of necessity that that bigger bait goes deeper. What's the dive curve on like a nine inch, you know, Marshad? Uh, nine inch, I think like 40 feet, about 12. And then uh, close to 100 feet will be like 20 ish. Wow. You're getting that thing pretty deep. Yeah. yeah. And. Like the seven, sometimes there's like, sometimes even though we're short lining, there's a big bait, short line and bite around here sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that seven inch is kind of what I built for that. So okay. You can run like four feet on it and you'll be like three feet down. That's not bad. No, that's really cool. Is, is that the why, is that the other reason why you have the babies too, to kind of short line them? Yeah. And just a small bait thing. And the babies will actually get down to 10, almost 12 feet with a lot of line out. I think it was like close to 90 feet on my setup was 12 and then like 70 was about 10. Wow. I didn't realize you could get them that deep. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, I mean, you talked about, uh, you know, fishing, you know, getting your son out and stuff. I want to, I wanted to ask you about your little excursion today too. seems like somebody got out on the water while the rest of us were at work. Uh Oh, what happened? President's yeah, uh, day. yeah, day off for me. Uh, me and my son, we got on the water like a little before nine, and we trolled the whole time. But it was about eleven thirty till we got a bite, and the rod took off. And when he's with me, I'm just clearing rods and net, man. And he got uh, he got a thirty eight. It was a pretty chunky fish. Nice, and then nice. it was about twelve fifteen. I looked back. And in Ohio this year, we can run three rods per person. So we were running boards oh, yeah. too today. I just looked back and I saw the planer board sink like a bobber. And I thought it was going to be a, a giant fish. And it put up a good fight, but it ended up being a 33-incher that sank the board and had the, the like this weird 3D like tumor sticking out of its eye. Uh, Oof. Huh. Uh, and we just got everything set back up <clears throat> and had another one on and it got off. And then that was like, 
about 1230, we fished till two. So I went two for three and a little over five hours. Nice, can't, man. That's a nice way to start that. your season. Yeah. Yeah. For January. So what, is it okay if we ask what you got bit on? I'm assuming yeah. it was a Marshad of some sort or a, a Twitch and troll perhaps. Well, <laughs> well I'll, we'll run a little bit of everything. Some, I mean, sometimes Ohio fish in the muddy water want something with a rattle. Uh, <clears throat> at We went to the Columbus Fishing Expo and Chapter 41 was giving out baits to all the kids and my son got it. It's like a super shad wrap, but I think it's made by Tackle Industries, maybe called a super Cisco. Yeah, okay. he he got the thirty eight on one of them. Nice. Uh, second fish was on a J thirteen. Okay, it's pretty standard spring bait for us. Yeah, and then the third fish that we that came off hit a baby marshad, and it came to the surface, did a couple head shakes, and was gone. Well, that's, that's cool. I didn't. So that's kind of interesting to me too, because does this you know like when you're out there, you're not afraid to run other stuff too, right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I'll usually have one of my baits out, but <clears throat> sometimes I want something different, so I'll run all kinds of stuff. That's honestly pretty cool. Like I know a lot of guys. J thirteen. That's uh, isn't that a Nick Nick Fiesler staple? I'm more of a straight straight F eighteen guy, but they both work. Oh yeah, you know I love that stuff in the spring. <laughs> We're kind of technically in winter still, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of bo- what kind of boat are you fishing out of? Uh, I have a sixteen and a half foot Lund Rebel okay. with nice. a nine nine <clears throat> uh, Piedmont Leaves or ten horse ten horsepower limit. So I got the nine nine. Okay, yeah, that makes things difficult. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. My lake is a nine nine. It, it makes it real difficult to. Uh, actually, I shouldn't say that. It makes it difficult, but it also makes it easier because you don't have to worry about buying a 250 or a 175 or, you know, like you just, hey, you can have a sweetest boat, but hey, all it can have on it is a 9.9. That's it, man. I love that lake, by the way, Piedmont. That's like one of my favorite lakes, man. I love it there. I I just realized I'm not going to be able to fish it because I have a 20, but I guess I could use a trolling motor, but that's not going to. That's not going to fly unless I stay in one particular area and cast all day, which I'm sure you know what area I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we do not condone putting stickers on on your outboard. We do right. not the hunks <laughs> the hunks no bueno. No, no, we're uh, we're legit straight across the board. <laughs> Nobody saw the <laughs> winking eye. <laughs> not uh, me. If you get a if you get arrested for. Oversized outboards. Call Owen Seaman. Call Eternal the Law. <laughs> Owen Seaman. Which one of Ian's is a lawyer? <laughs> oh, that's cool. I mean, I I don't I don't get to fish much in Ohio. I've, did, I've done some West Branch stuff. We've done a lot of Piedmont stuff. Never fish Leesville. I mean, I know you guys have a lot of you know good lakes out there. Um, Milton's probably one of my favorites too, but I haven't really fished it at all. I just like how it looks on a map. And I've, I've only been there like once or maybe twice, but yeah, you guys loyal, got a, one of the loyal listeners or part of the hunks verse Mark King. He loves, he loves driving to Ohio and fishing. He does. He does. I don't, I don't know. We're like, I'm trying not to burn, but it's kind of impossible when you're talking about that. There's a lot of good water there though. seems like, uh, so how far are you from that? Like where, 
like don't give us your address but geographically speaking like how how close to you are you know to some of these lakes uh, i can be to leesville in just a hair over 20 minutes oh wow wow so i tend to go there a lot depending on if i'm limited on time piedmont is my favorite but it's uh i can be the marina in about 45 minutes the other end about an hour salt forks 45 minutes and then we usually i don't fish west branch a whole lot i've been there once and then we usually try to go to milton once every summer and it's uh, about an hour 20. well that's, that's not bad no. yeah i thought we had it pretty good here you know being able to to drive within two hours and and have a bunch of different musky waters but man you you got them right right in right the backyard yeah yeah <laughs> now, Tom's yeah. not here to preach. T- Tom's not here to preach about how we have muskies right in our backyard too. I no, understand that. Are all Carp- your reservoirs uh, shad shad baits there? Yeah, they are. Yep. Yeah. That's the shad baits, right? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, Tom can argue that all he wants, but realistically, there's one bite that happens here in this particular county, like for like and he, and he missed it weeks, last year, and he did. Well, what's the stocking regimen in in Ohio? Uh, Ohio tries to stock one fish per acre, and they collect all the eggs from Leesville in the spring, and then stock them in the fall when they're about ten to twelve inches long. Okay, is Leesville the the only brood lake? Yeah, currently it is. I think they used to get some from Clear Fork, and there was some disease in there, so now it's all Leesville. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little strange. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not a biologist, but it would seem to me a little strange to always use one lake. I mean, I know Pennsylvania has a handful of broodstock lakes that I think they kind of intermingle all that together. So you get the genetic pools of the bigger fish from, you know, the a couple different lakes. Now, I'd like to confirm, I'd like to confirm that with, uh, you know, with someone from, from the state, but I believe that's kind of how it works here in PA. Cause I know it's, there's not just one lake. I know that for sure. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you at this point. Yeah. I don't know either. Wah, wah. They, seem, know, to, they seem to make little fish out of the big <laughs> fish. I know that. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> at least there's a certain percentage of that happening here. <laughs> Ohio. I, I, you know, maybe I should ask this for, for Tom, but, there's some good steelhead fisheries over that way too, right? Yeah, there is. I used to do a little bit of steelhead fishing. It was a blast. Yeah, it seems like, um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like that part of the fishing world has been like, has had a huge influence on a lot of guys prior to getting into muskies. It seems like when you get into muskies, like you're pretty much done with all of that. Do you still steelhead fish at all, Josh? I haven't in a long time. The river we fished, uh, a lot of the areas that we would fish are now private property. Ooh, yeah. So that's part of it because we knew that stretch pretty good, me and my buddy. Uh, I just, I don't know, I haven't been up there. No, I, I do a lot of, I still do some multi-species stuff like uh, the river close to me has pike and smallmouth, pike fish all winter, smallmouth fish. And with the kids, we'll We'll troll Saulgai. <clears throat> Most of the lakes that I fish have Saulgai in them. And then uh, do some crappie fishing here and there, too. That's cool. Do you keep any of that stuff? Are you guys frying anything up? I'm actually allergic to fish. I can't oh, eat fish. Man. Oh, jeez. I, 
I say they're getting revenge on me. I can eat like tuna and shrimp, I guess that'd be it. But uh, okay. my son, he likes to eat some fish sometimes. So like ice fishing, we'll keep some crappie or perch for him. So the so musky be- slime doesn't get you at all. No, nope, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Nick. That's what my buddy's like that as well. And I think it's something he's fine, like <laughs> touching them and stuff. But then like the one time he had his beer in the fish cooler when we were out walleye fishing and his lips were all red. and Oh, man. You know, <laughs> That's wild. I never thought about that. that. I've never thought about that. Like people yeah. that have allergies to that stuff. Like, Yeah. And that, my buddy that has it is loves fish. And he's like, and it just, it was like pretty late onset for him too. Same, same with me. I used to keep fish and then I think I was on a Lake Erie walleye trip and came home and ate some walleye. I'm like, man, my throat feels weird. My chest is kind of tight. Like something's not right. Took some Benadryl and like, that was all that happened. And then I thought, well, maybe it was just that fish. And then I think I tried some saw guy from somewhere had the same reaction. So that's that's freaking nuts. How it can just develop over time like that. That's yeah. I saw guy. I don't know a lot about saw guy and I know we're not the saw guy hunks, but you've mentioned it a couple of times (laughs) and I'm, I'm fascinated. Like it's what sauger and walleye. Yeah. That makes sense. But like you're a biologist, you're I, that I am. But is that a naturally reproduct reproducing thing, or is that something that that is stocked? They're they're all stocked. Uh, it's a female walleye and male sauger. And uh, there's depends on who you talk to. Some people say there's a certain percentage they can reproduce. Originally, they're supposed to be sterile, so there's some con- a little bit of controversy there. And they don't they won't stock them like. In Ohio, they don't don't stock them anywhere north. It would flow into Lake Erie to potentially contaminate the walleye population. Okay. So they're only stocked like in the I guess the southern half of the state, the Ohio the drain into the Ohio River. Okay. See, that was a better question than it than it uh, started off as. Yeah. Right. Which which one Ian's is the biologist? <laughs> <laughs> it is not. A, it's not any of the three of us. Uh-uh. <laughs> Well, that's good that you know that because we were completely clueless on that one. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of that. I've heard of it a lot, but I don't think I've ever, you know, really known what the hell that what the hell's up with it. So that's interesting. That's what I always like get, get confused when people like post pictures and it's like, oh, it's a sauger, and I look at it and I'm like, that's a walleye. Yeah, I, that's I, say, I say the exact same thing, dude. <laughs> So back, I want to get back to the baits real quick because, you know, Josh, like the question, two questions I have for you. Like, number one, what's the biggest fish you caught on a Marshall bait? And what's the biggest fish outside of that caught on a Marshall bait? Not that size matters here. I'm just saying. Uh, I think personally, the biggest fish I've caught is, uh, let me think, 43. Okay on one of my baits and i think i was on a five inch marshad short lining uh i believe five six years ago there was a 51 caught on a mini marshad casting it wow that's interesting both in ohio uh i think the my fish was in ohio i think the 51 was in kentucky okay okay 
So you're probably getting a lot of like different people fishing these too, like not just in Ohio, like Kentucky, PA, West Virginia, I'm assuming. Like mm-hmm. you're you're kind of getting getting those baits out there. Like uh l- let me ask this. Go ahead. There's probably a fair bit of guys from like uh Indiana, Illinois coming to the Ohio show too. Some years there is. I think yeah. we get a lot more like West Virginia and Kentucky, I think. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're closer to those ones, yeah. But I'm saying that Ohio show kind of has a whole different composure of uh, mm-hmm. fishermen than than what you get at Max. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. Does Ohio have a more like southern feel or Midwest feel? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't yeah. know what the difference is. I just think being all the way in Columbus, you're closer to the Kentucky, the Midwest. Yeah. Indiana, I mean, Illinois, Kentucky, all those. Yeah, no, like, uh, was it Jake? It was Jake Baddock that came down for the Ohio show, not this year, but last year. So I know guys from Indiana come down there, but. Yeah, whereas, I, whereas Max, I just kind of think West Virginia, Ohio, PA, New York mm-hmm. is kind of your. Just, I mean, they overlap, but there's distinct different populations you're you're getting at each show different bait selections too i feel like right we've talked about that a lot so i i've I had a question now i forgot it go figure wah. Wah. <laughs> <laughs> well what, trying to what, think what anything it, new to anything new to you know expect from <clears throat> you this year or or can are guys going to be seeing pretty much the same as last year, just in different patterns or whatnot? Uh, last year I had a jerk bait <clears throat> called the encounter. It had like a small Lex and lip in it with a rubber tail. It's about five and a half inches. Uh, this year I have the eight inch version, which if I had any of those last year, there might've been one or two. I have more of them this year. And then I made the, called the XS, which is like a single hook four inch model with a rubber tail lex and lip, but it's more of like a jerk bait. Mm, some of them. I think that's the bait um, I was thinking of when I had it in my head. Like it, it does it have a rectangle lex and lip around yes. it. Okay. Rectangle. Yeah. I think that's the bait I was looking at, um, at your, at your booth that I was, was kind of interested in, but I, I, I opted for the, the baby dive and rise. Yeah, with the metal tail. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's I had that a few called? Of those, uh, I just call it the five inch dive and rise, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I uh, had a few of those at Ohio. I don't know if I'll have any of those for Max this year. Josh, you have so many baits. You ran I out know. of names. <laughs> I know. It's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, let me let me ask this as a as a bait maker. Does it ever? You know, do you ever think like, listen, I should just like cut out a couple of these ones that aren't standards, a couple of these ones that aren't like, you know, that are more the niche and and just focus on the main ones and offer the other ones kind of as special orders and whatnot. Uh, Yeah, I've thought of that. And when I start cutting it doesn't seem to always work. <laughs> uh, and then there are some models. I used to make a little bait called a spring bait, which uh, you ever see like an AC Shiner 450? Yeah. We'd run them and like break the lips off. So it's kind of modeled after that. It had just like a 
tiny, thin, round lip. Uh, I used to make those. I don't really make those anymore. I used to make j some wood jigging baits. I don't make them anymore, really. So there's some models I've kind of put off to the side. But uh, And, like, the bigger stuff, I don't always have, like, like my baby marshads, I might take 40 or more of them to a show where, like, the 9-inch, there might be five of them. Okay, that makes sense. Is that part of being down the rabbit hole, you know, just in general? Like, do you find yourself just still, like, prototyping and building things that, you know, fill gaps? Yeah, I think so. Or do you mainly wait until someone, like, asks you, like, Josh, can you build me this this size? Like, do you wait until someone does that, or do you just continue making these different sizes and see if they work out? Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, sometimes I already have like the idea, like, "Hey, I have a four inch of this. Maybe it'd be cool to have a bigger version." And I kind of sometimes have that in the back of my head, and then when somebody would request it, and it kind of comes together. Okay. Uh, it just cool. seems like, man, just seems like building baits like this. Like you got to be a special individual. Like just to just to maintain all this stuff and fish it and test it and. I mean, guys are asking you for different things like all the time and you're just like constantly adapting and changing like, man, for some, like, I was, I was looking at Todd Leopardi's uh, post yesterday that he painted for like 17 hours yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I talked to him. He, he, he doesn't sleep ever. It's like, I mean, that's just, that's bonkers. And just to think of how much he gets done in that, because you know, he's fast, you know, it's not like me who's I'm like, like an idiot uh you know like i'm like the single the single finger typer compared to compared to a guy like him i just think it's funny like josh how many baits do you think you bring to a show uh, i believe ohio i had 260 which probably the most i ever took to a show yeah it's a lot of baits so like and on average are you like 200 ish yeah, 200, 220 on average. And how many do you, I mean, how many do you expect to sell? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know what longtime bait makers sell at shows. Just, just depends. Like, I just do it as a hobby. So if I break even for the weekend, I'm happy. Uh, it just depends on the year, what, what people want, what the crowd is like. Okay, cool. I mean, and that's that's kind of what I like to hear just that, you know, you're, you're obviously not doing this for, for the money, so to speak. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, it's, so it's, I, I like that. It really shows that, Hey, you're, you're doing it for, because you really enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's like mental health. It's like therapy for me. Yeah, that's uh, but I do feel like, dude, I keep coming back to this. Like, I'll, the reason I asked about the baits is because I'm, I'm not not that I'm comparing you to other bait makers, but like, no, dude, is there we're not any comparing level... you to other bait makers? Come on, no, like, uh, I'm just saying, like, the level of stress, dude. It like, how do you feel any pressure to have like a full booth at Musky Max? Maybe like a week or two before the show, I start feeling a little bit like tomorrow, whatever, whatever I start painting tomorrow is what I hope to have done for the max. I, I have some that need tests and some that just need like one more coat of clear and they're, they're good. But I have 
probably like 30 blanks I'd like to get, get mostly painted tomorrow and try to get them cleared and tested before next Friday. All right. So let's go ahead and ask the question now. Epoxy. Right. What is it? Oh, you've been doing this a long time now. What is your preferred epoxy? Uh, I started out with Etex Light. <clears throat> it was the first two-part epoxy I used. It was real. You had to be real precise on it. Uh, I went with, which sometimes like just the humidity in the basement might determine whether it was tacky or not. Uh, went to was Alumalite uh, clear cast. And it's a little more forgiving on humidity and mixing it 100% right. And it goes on thicker. I've, I really like it. Okay. So you, you're a clear cast guy. Yep. All right. Well, it's clear cast <laughs> seems to be, you know, the, having some, some, some success here in, in my polls. Bill, I wanted to ask Owen this. Like, are you like every time somebody gives you an epoxy, or you're just going out on like wherever and picking it up? Do you have like no, 19 different epoxies in your garage? No, right now? I'm re I research it all, and because you know you really do. I I get so many different opinions from so many different people, and it you know one epoxy works for for one person, and I guess it doesn't for others. So I just like kind of understanding That's, what makes somebody want a certain epoxy you know is it you know the 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 mix ratio is it you know the you know how how pliable it is when you put it on you know, i don't know i feel like too your your application is way different than like uh than a like hard bait type application because you're you know i mean you end up with that such a thin surface at the edge of the blade that all it takes is for that to break and then you can instead of being like fully encapsulated on a yes there's no bait. way yeah it, you're, that's exactly right there's no way to get a really good total epoxy job on the blades right because of that you can't you know hard baits have a a definitive beginning and an end you know and there's typically and you have that like full circumference uh you have a hook hanger, you know, on on each end of a bait. Typically, you know, you have more than one hook hanger. Where on a on a blade, you know, what what do you hang? You know, you only have that one hole to. Right. We've been over this. I know, I know. This. We've I been know. over this. You got to get one of those little that Tom brought up. Josh, you're not going to know what we're talking about here, but we have this park called Idlewild. Okay, here in Western Pennsylvania, and they have these little devices that shoot air up, and the kids put the little balls on there, and the balls hover over the top of the air. We got to get one of these for for Owen so that he can finish his freaking blades. That's exactly right. <laughs> like the only thing that's gonna work. The only the only problem with that is I feel like you're gonna go to put a blade on there, and it's gonna shoot it directly into your ceiling. Like yeah. this is gonna be embedded in your ceiling. Pew! Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we got the epoxy question in. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, oh, I'm, I'm glad to get the answer, man. That's hey, it's clear cast is, uh, is, is getting some love. Indeed. Indeed. It's easy so. to find. I mean, it's easy to buy. Yeah. Yeah, that, like, uh, yeah. Order it on Amazon and have it at the house in like two days. Yeah. Can't beat that. I think they have it at Hobby Lobby up here. Gins have a Hobby Lobby. Oh yeah, we don't tell my wife around. that. Don't tell my wife that. Up there on Peach Street. Yeah. Um, 
So, all right. So I want to get back to this. So I got a couple other questions here and some of these are like just goofy ones we've been trying to ask. So I didn't get to ask this one on the last one. At least, oh, maybe I did. What is the, what is the Josh Marshall boat snack of choice? Boat snack of choice. Uh, usually have a couple of protein bars and some apples, oranges, no bananas. No bananas, he says. <laughs> oh god, did, I, did uh, I tell you guys the banana story? I have to circle back on that one. It's not superstitious; just a little stitious. Just a little. <laughs> Although my you know, two times, I've, I've had people bring bananas in the boat two times. Uh, one time we got a forty-seven that day. Another day we had a three-fish day. <laughs> Sounds like you need to start bringing bananas. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, dude? I'd be loading that boat up with bananas. <laughs> I took a I took a banana on the boat with Bang and Bottom on, on my last day trip last year, and we didn't catch a single fish. And I pulled the banana out of the bag, and Jesse yelled at me. He's like, <laughs> he's like, chuck that thing overboard right now! So I threw it overboard. Not even ten seconds after that banana hit the water, the rod went off. It was stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. We didn't get the fish, but just goes to show you, you're you're a little bit stitious. It's probably warranted. Funny. Yeah. So, okay. So, what? Let me ask you this one. And we can get back to baits or whatever else we want to talk about there. But, you know, again, like our, our listener base, we got a lot of guys, like, especially at the lore swap we had, you know, last Friday, a lot of guys that are just kind of breaking into the sport, you know, trying to learn how to catch these fish. And I think a lot of them, you know, end up casting, you know, some of these like rivers and creeks and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, just in general, like you've been doing this a long time, Josh, like you've been fishing for these, these muskies and you're building baits and all this stuff. What would be, what would be like your, I guess your main piece of advice for somebody breaking into the sport of muskie fishing? I encourage them to join a club like a muskies Inc. chapter, or if they're in Ohio, we have the Ohio Husky Muskie Club. Uh, even, I mean, it could be intimidating at first, but even fishing a tournament with another club member. I feel like you'd learn a lot, uh, shorten your learning curve. And if you don't have a lot of baits at the time, they can kind of get you going in the right bait direction. Cause just the selection of baits can be overwhelming to a beginner. What, uh, what chapter are you out there in Ohio? I'm in chapter 19, Akron Canton. Okay. And what is the Husky Muskie club? Uh, it was started. Oh, I'm trying to think we just had our banquet the other day. I think it was like the 62nd annual banquet or something. Uh, it was started by the Division of Wildlife in Ohio, and uh, today the Husky Muskie Club and the Division of Wildlife work hand in hand. Like we have the Muskie Angler Log, people register their fish on that information goes directly to the Division of Wildlife. That's cool. I didn't know that. And then, like, uh, kind of like Ohio has a minnow fund that that helps our hatcheries. So there's a there's a good uh, relationship between our division of wildlife and the Ohio Husky Musky club. Doesn't the, uh, I guess what is ODW, whatever it is. Don't they have like a, isn't it something like you pull, if you catch a fish over 45 inches and you're supposed to send scales in or something to get the Husky Musky award or whatever. So if you catch a fish over 42, 42 is what they call a Husky. Okay. Uh, I think any more they they quit doing scale samples right around the time I started muskie fishing. 
but if you catch a 42, I think that you get like a free honorary year membership. <clears throat> and now that musky angler log kind of took place in a scale sample thing. Okay. We're going to have to talk to our president over there. I want to get, I want to catch a 42 and get a free membership. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool stuff, man. That's like, uh, I feel like that encourages people to, you know, to want to join the club. It's giving them an avenue to do so anyway. It's pretty cool. But I always wonder, you know, you have Muskie's Inc. Like, is there, what's the, what's the benefit of the, of a, I don't want to say competing Muskie program or Muskie club, but like, do they overlap? I mean, how much do they overlap and, you know, or is there competition between the both? Do they hold tournaments? Uh, yeah, they both, I mean, Muskie's Inc. has tournaments and Ohio Husky Muskie also has tournaments. They try okay. not to schedule them the same times. Uh, a lot of the people <clears throat> in Ohio Husky Muskie Club are also members of Muskie's Inc. Not all, but a majority. Uh, Ohio has a couple of different chapters. And like, uh, Yeah, like that would be like Pennsylvania. I mean, you could be part of Chapter 16 like we are, but there's also the Nittany Valley and I forget what other uh, Pennsylvania clubs there are, but is the Ohio Husky Musky Club? That's like all of Ohio. Yeah, we're Muskies Inc. like national, so I don't know where exactly some of the money goes if it's kind of spread around nationally. Where Ohio Husky Musky Club, everything stays right in Ohio for Ohio's stocking efforts and everything. That's cool. So that you you brought up the uh, that is the what Mike Minow. Mike Money Minnow Fund, correct? Correct, yeah. And that's the uh, banquet that we were talking about earlier at the Ohio show. Yeah, after that, they have the swap and then the raffle. Yeah. So, not that I want to go way back there, but I kind of want to know a little bit more about this because, like we mentioned before, like none of us really have gone to that. And I know I was talking to like Paul Frasterio and Kevin Goldberg, and they were trying to get me to go like two years in a row. Like, what, like from <clears> your experience, because you before that it was relatively small like what has it grown into now it seems like it's a fairly big event yeah it's grown over the years uh when i was talking about tony grant getting those baits from me they just had a swap at that time and there might it was in a tiny upstairs hotel room might have been like a 20 by 30 room with 30 guys in it uh now the hotel lets them take over a pretty decent sized room and the whole entire hotel lobby so like the swaps in this room and the raffle is in the lobby and it's always, I mean, there's a table with all the donations, lures and everything. And it's always pretty funny when somebody comes in to just stay at the hotel for the night and they're greeted by 80 musky fishermen and a table full of lures. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. That's what I mean though. Like that sounds like, a, I mean, that's, that's cool. Like that's something I, you know, I want to stay for. There was a, uh, I can't remember who made it. There was like a stainless steel musky cutout that had like a little like hook hanging shelf in the front of it that was probably like two foot by three foot. It was in the raffle this year that was really cool and usually do a rod and reel at the end of it. And then uh, most of the bait makers at the Ohio show donate some baits for the table. Sometimes they make some special things to put out there that they don't usually make. Yeah, special items, some one offs. Yeah, yep. That's really cool. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I asked about that again because I I was curious because it seemed like it was just one of those things that grew like immensely over the last couple of years. But 
Right. So See, not, we don't uh, we don't have. I mean, we have the Muskie Zinc lore swap, but you know, there's nothing like that during the Muskies uh, Muskie Max weekend. You know, in you, terms of you know people bringing stuff. So I don't know. Let's set it up, Owen. Yeah, I got enough irons in the fire. You got enough sponsorships. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else can take the reins on that one. It's up to you, Nick. I'm you're, curious, you're, Josh. I'm gonna I'm gonna circle it back. There we go. The, you were talking about your daughter's technique of the the uh, nail polish and coating on the lures. Yeah, is that like kind of like hydro dipping sort of stuff, or I, is it like in the epoxy or? So she gets a bucket of water. And I can't remember she what she adds to it. And then she'll put a couple of different colored nail polish and she'll kind of swirl them as it goes in. Yeah. And then we pull it out. I hang it. It dries pretty quick and I, I epoxy over it. Okay. That does okay. sound kind of like hydro dipping. Yeah. So, I mean, are you, are you dipping? Is it like the color stays on the surface of the water? Yeah, they stay on the surface. Okay. Huh. Very interesting. Because I've seen <laughs> where guys do that with like, they'll just spray spray paint on the top of the water. And then, like, I got one in. here I can hold up for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Oh, yeah. We're getting into it now. Can you do it? Can you do an instructional video for us, too? <laughs> I can't run the equipment while everybody's sleeping, but maybe next time. <laughs> here's, here's one of my gliders she did. Oh, okay. Dude, that's, that's real dope. Cool. Yeah. I think I, I like primed it white first, then she did black and pink. That's really okay. cool. Dude, that's yeah. dope. That's we're gonna have really to put it, we're gonna have to add a picture of that for, for our listeners on, yeah. on the episode. That's really cool. Yeah, you'll have to send me that picture. We'll get it in there. Okay, yeah. She might do a couple more here this week before the show starts. Nice. Now are they are do you do the kids come in for the show or is it a whole family thing? Usually it's just me and my wife. They've been wanting to go to a show and this year they will be at the booth. Uh nice. Figured- Ohio shows three days. That might be kind of long, but the nice two day show, I think we're going to keep them out of school Friday, go over, get set up and then go eat somewhere. They want to swim at the hotel and then we'll be at the show Saturday, Sunday. There you go. That's awesome. That it's is, like a little, awesome. it's like a little vacation. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, dude. I love that. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get a chance to talk to you guys. I think, well, I'll be there all day Friday, but Owen, what time are you guys planning on showing up there? I hope to be there early afternoon. Like I'd like to be set up by, you know, five or so, because we still really haven't made any decisions on what we're going to do Friday evening, you know, in terms of kind of a, a get together. So we got to have a, a talk about that. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to be setting up until late at night. I want to be done by five thirty-six so we can go do, a, you know, hang out for a little while get a good night's sleep and be ready for Saturday. I'll be up all night editing. Maybe Time listen to a footage. few, listen to a oh. few audio books, audio books. It's, <laughs> that was one of my favorite things from last year. I came in like after drinking a couple beers with like Dale Wiley and then, and Leo, I come in and Owen's listening to an audio book. It's like, it's <laughs> a rotten buck. That's how I run. That's how I roll. It's <laughs> how the old man gets down these days. All right, so I got a couple more questions for Josh. I know it's getting late. We don't want to hold you up too late. But what is – so 
we've established the fact that you're making a lot of different lures. You know, you're out there fishing. You got the whole family involved in this process. Like thinking through that, I feel like this has a potential to be a good question. But one of the things I like to ask is like, what is your favorite musky moment? If you if you can boil it down to one, what would it be? Favorite musky moment was probably actually before. No, there's a couple of them. Before I had kids uh, and before I was married, I had a phenomenal day in Ohio where I got my personal best. That was probably that was probably it. I that day was like it was. The, I remember the, the date, December fourteenth, two thousand nine. It was like fifty degrees. You couldn't ask for a better day, December. And I was like zero for four throughout the day, and I was kind of bummed. And my brother was in high school, and he said when he gets out of school, he'd meet me at the boat ramp. So I'm waiting for him at the boat ramp and I get it like a 32. He hops on the boat and like by now it's, I mean, we got like an hour of daylight. I got a 43 and a 52. And then we, uh, I was talking about the saw guy fishing. Usually there's a hot bite right before dark. We went over to a point jig for saw guy right at dark and got two 22 inchers. I thought I'll never top that day in Ohio. Wow. That's a, that's an amazing day. 52. That's awesome. Dude, that, that, so that's the other, that remember I had a question earlier and I forgot it. That was my question is like the Ohio, like Ohio fisheries. Like I I was listening to a podcast recently where somebody was talking about how, you know, these fish are growing and you guys are starting to see a lot, you know, bigger fish in the state of Ohio. But like you talk about a 52 back in what, 2009, is that what you said? Yeah. Like that's a, was that a, like a unicorn fish at that point? Uh, I mean, there were some fifties caught before that, but, uh, I never, ex- never expected to catch it. Okay. So is that like looking at the fisheries today, like, is it outside the realm of possibilities where like a 52 could be caught like at any moment? There's an average year throughout the state. I mean, what uh, what's reported? You don't know what's caught. It's not reported, but, uh, right. probably like five to seven fifties uh a year reported and i think they the figures roughly estimate like per every like if it's a thousand acre like for every thousand stocks there's probably one that makes it to 50 inches okay that's really interesting because i know like the fisheries in general i feel like they're getting better you know with all this emphasis on stocking and everything you guys got going on there i know it is here in pa but i was just curious like is that are you guys seeing more fish like in the mid forties to upper forties now? I say we're seeing more mid forties and uh, some, some guys got a, like a scanner and some of the fish are tagged or doing a study where uh, they would scan them and the information would be sent to the division of wildlife. And I mean, we're proof that catch and release works. We had one fish in Ohio that was caught six times according to the scanner. That's a fish. Yeah, I wish it would reproduce, right? <laughs> <laughs> big, big, dumb, and stupid. Yeah, Keep that's reproducing. How like that's how we like it. That's good. All right, cool. Well, that's good stuff. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. One wonky one. I haven't asked this one in a while, and this one's for Tom. Pause. Pregnant pause there. What is the Josh Marshall footwear of choice? When you're out there on the boat, are you good? Depends on the time of year. If it's yeah, summer, it's, if it's not winter, if you know, like, we'll 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 say like you know, good weather footwear. 
All right, fair. Okay, if it's good weather, um, either have my Brooks tennis shoes on, or sometimes in the summer I just go barefoot. Hope I don't step on any hooks. There you go. Ooh. Perfect. See, I'll say it again. I don't understand you guys that go barefoot on a boat where there's musky, any type of musky apparatus. I mean, it's there are just too many things that can hurt you in musky fishing to be walking around barefoot. Yeah, I'm just happy he didn't say Crocs. That was that was the mission on that one. I was trying to avoid Crocs. Yeah, I'm the only I'm the only one that's Team Crocs here, so I'm totally outnumbered. Yeah, I know. Uh, Tomboy took a hook to the side of the foot when out, we were out with Donnie the one day, and he was barefoot. See, that's just silly to me. It's like know, it's like riding a motorcycle without a helmet. Like I get it, you can do it, and it's probably cool. It probably feels good right no until that until something happens i don't know dude i'm i'm with josh it feels good to be barefoot on the boat it does (laughs) i wear slides and i'll kick them off but all right i had to all right i'll be the boring old man that wants to wear footwear (laughs) that's typical though right we need to get you one of those uh (laughs) you're gonna hurt your feet (laughs) i'm trying to think of you'll learn you need like in the, my day, kiddies. The Vionics. <laughs> Owen's wearing like Vionic, like Viagra. What? No, the Vionics, <laughs> like the. I can't remember what they're called for your feet, but it doesn't matter. We're gonna just move past this one. <laughs> Try, All right, Owen's so, trying to get us sponsored by Doctor Souls or Doctor Trolls <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. I got nothing. So. All right, so you're out on the water now, Josh. You're you're fishing. You broke you broke that. Is that was today your first day out? Yeah, first day in the boat. Yep, for the year. Okay. Nice. So, how many times do you think you're going to be out there fishing this year? Uh, I'd say average year, I probably get out in the boat maybe forty times. Okay, that's pretty good. So yeah, that's pretty stick solid. To, stick to the average, I'd be happy. Yeah. And that's probably like two, three, four hours at a clip, though, right? Yeah, some are short trips. Usually, I mean, every once in a while we fish a tournament, club tournament. That might be the only time we really fish all day. Okay. You ever, you ever take any uh, like yearly trips anywhere? Or? Uh, nothing like continuously every year. I've been to Chautauqua, I think, three times, St. Clair once, and uh, we're going to St. Clair for one day this summer. Okay. That'll be a fun trip, yeah. Now, did the uh, did the marshads clean up at Chautauqua? Yeah, we've caught some fish on them. I would I would assume. I feel like that's a yeah. It sounds like sounds like that five inch would be perfect. I think so. The first time I was there, we kind of struggled. It we weren't used to fishing big water like that compared to our lakes. Second time I was there, me and my wife went, and the water was low. Boat traffic was crazy. The floating weeds were crazy. We didn't do very good. The third time we did good. We actually did good on the mini marshads up there. Oh, right. That was that would have been like in September, October that year. Okay. For anybody that hasn't fished Chautauqua, the floating weeds are a staple. <laughs> I was just going to say those floating <laughs> weed patches. I've heard so much about you. They will ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> The big show stoppers. Do you try to like drive around them? If you see them, yeah. Hmm. But usually, some that you just that you don't see, and then 
And if you're running a spread of six baits yeah. or however many, you know, I don't know how many, how many can, rods can you run on Chautauqua? Three per person. Oh yeah. So then if you're running a big spread, there's, it's, it's kind of hard to maneuver around big I, patches. Especially if you're on a day that it's busy, like Josh was saying, like water skiers and stuff zipping around. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, the lake that lake is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I thought my lake was bad with nine nine pontoon boats everywhere. Oh, it is. It yeah. is bad. You just but don't it's... have the floating weeds to accompany it, right? <laughs> so yeah, that's cool. Well, hopefully you guys get up to St. Clair and do some damage. That's a that's a big lake. Yeah, and uh, I didn't really get to experience it until you know the first time we fished it. We were up in Anchor Bay. Which, dude, that is, I mean, that is still a giant body of water, even if you just take Anchor Bay into consideration. I think it's like seven miles across. If I'm wow. not. Sounds, sounds believable. Yeah, I think, I think the bay is like seven miles across. We never even left the bay, but this last trip with, with Leo last year, I mean, I got to experience that big open water stuff, and it is crazy. I just feel like there's just so many areas to explore. And the other thing that's kind of nuts about that too, is like when you get into a, a, say you guys, and I'm sure like if you fished up there before, like, I mean, it is, if you're going to stay in an X amount of, you know, a water depth, like one particular water depth, like you've got to go like a long ways to get to another water depth. Like (laughs) it's just the crazy thing of it. I just feel like it's just so much there, but that hopefully you guys do well. That'll be a fun trip for you. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Cool. Well, what else do we have here to talk about? I definitely wanted to, I'm just going to keep saying, I'll just keep doing the Nick term uh, or maybe it's my term, the circle back around circle back. Nick knows I love to circle back on things, but I want to at least make sure we, we talk about where guys can reach out to you. You know, what, what's the best Avenue to get a hold of you for, uh, for Marshall Bates. Yeah. If you know, obviously you'll be at Muskie max, but if they can't, get to musky max how can our our listeners check it out or how can they check it out ahead of time to know what they're going to be looking at because we all know musky max can be overwhelming uh as a as a buyer a lot of our new you know a lot of our listeners are newer to this so looking at stuff ahead of time and having some some idea of what you're getting yourself into is always a good a good idea uh that my Facebook page for the baits is Marshall Tackle. And I try to I'll try to post some stuff here next week or two. Usually leading up to the show, I post some pictures. Uh, and then my personal page, Josh Marshall. You can also message me bait stuff on there, and uh, I can send you pictures if there's nothing on there or something you don't see. That's cool. Are you gonna do any type of like uh, like live showing off baits or any type of video stuff before the show? Uh, I don't plan on it right now, but uh, definitely put some pictures out there. All right, cool. Cool. Well, what else do we have, boys? I'm about tapped out. Unless yeah. uh, unless there's anything else that Josh wants to wants to cover here. You have any other stories for us? Uh, nothing I can think of at the moment. All right, cool. All right. Well, well, we look we look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks here at Muskie yeah. Max. And, uh, you know, hopefully 
you'll see the whole family. You know, so you see your wife, kids. Hopefully, my I know I don't know when my wife and kids are. My wife and kids probably won't be there until Saturday morning. But you know, I have kids around the same age, so you know, if yours are around, I'll I'll send mine over, and they can entertain each other. Cool. sounds good. Ellen's <laughs> always thinking ahead on this stuff. <laughs> Come on, that's like when once you become a dad. And you realize, like, if your weekend, if you want to include your family in this stuff, like, you have to make it. You have to pawn them off on somebody. Or, you know, you have to make it interesting <laughs> for them. You have to you have to make sure that there's stuff for them. You know? That's what the pull's for. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we really appreciate you coming on here tonight to talk yeah. Marshall Bates and tell some of the stories. It's fun. Excited yeah. to see you, see you at Max. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, man. Anytime. All right, fellas. All right, guys. Check out Marshall Bates, Marshall Tackle. Nah. And come check us out at Muskie Max. Yeah. Yep. Big O's. Big O's Bucktail Booth. <laughs> See you guys. Later. Yeah. All right. Bye. I had to shake them on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o don't play.